There have been some extraordinary events that have taken place on the earth as the result of intercessory prayer. I think we could all agree with that. An outpouring of intercession and travail that gets the undivided attention in the realm of the Spirit. Hi everyone, I'm Bill Nordstrom and welcome to the program today. You know, it it seems God greatly values the mystery of intercession. Yeah, that's what I said, the mystery. And we're going to discover that today. And the people who are willing to cry out to God until he marks a turning point in, in either a critical state of affairs on the earth and or in heaven. Certainly, it's proved to be a divine testing to the nations throughout the ages and will continue to be until the coming day of the Lord. I believe God is showing us something, something of the mystery of intercession, that it's a, it's a gifting of the Holy Spirit ignited by the Spirit and flesh has no role in that quickening. If we look carefully at Daniel chapter 9, chapters, actually chapters 9 and 10, we see demonstrated perhaps one of the most powerful expressions of intercession. Daniel chapter 9, verse 2, And in the first year of his reign, that's Darius, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived by the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. You see, Daniel was well aware of the time and the prophecies that preceded him. He knew the time was up. The 70-year captivity of his people at the hands of the the Babylonians was just about to expire. Daniel goes on, Then, when I saw what Jeremiah said, and I knew what was coming, then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him in prayer, by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Perhaps most often we we see this event only as the prelude to the Daniel fast. Well, that was an important fast, but that moment when the prophet determined to take a drastic cut in calories, suspend the goodies for a time, and spend his time in the presence of God. But I believe there's much more here than first observed. It's intercessory prayer, that that prayer that began back in chapter 9, praying and confessing his sins and the sins of his people. But I believe the angel's encounter with Daniel can also shed some light on what the 21st century church, the church of today, might learn from that. Daniel goes on in, in Daniel chapter 10, verse 4. On the 24th day of the first month, I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the the river, the Tigris. I lifted up my eyes and looked and behold a man clothed in linen. I want you to listen to this description. It's so important. A man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Euphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl. That's a transparent blue-green gemstone. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. Now, now folks, that's not your common, ordinary angel. 
We most often focus on an angel sent to Daniel, but might this be the angel of the Lord's presence, the Lord himself, in a pre-incarnate engagement on behalf of his people? Let's go on with Daniel chapter 10, verse 12. Then he said to me, this man, this stunning man, he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty-one days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia, and I came to make you, you, Daniel, I came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for days yet to come. Now we have a timing indicator. Okay, if indeed it's the the pre-incarnate Lord, how is it then the pre-incarnate Lord would be confronted by hindering spirits of Persia and would require the assistance of the chief angel Michael. How could that be? Could it be the Lord wants us to understand something extremely important regarding the end of the age and the kind of prayer that will move the heavens that confronts principalities and powers of the air and ultimately ushers in the return of the Lord? Might it be the uncreated God of creation wants us to understand that he, God, only receives the intercession, the intercession of the Son of God, who is strategically situated at the Father's right hand. Listen, the church in the final days of this age will be so equipped with the fullness of the Spirit and the knowledge of the Holy, its intercessory travail will bypass the flesh, handed directly to the Son who has the attentive ear of God Himself. Beloved, that kind of prayer will move heaven and earth. As the kids would say, are we there yet? No, we're not there yet, but we're well on our way. You see, God did not choose to orchestrate intercession by means of the flesh, you know, self-will, human effort, but rather by the Spirit. He bypassed our carnality, our flesh, knowing the, the stirring and the quickening to intercede, to stand in a critical gap of needed breakthrough, works best with weakness and faith. I know that sounds a, a, a bit counterintuitive, but that is the way God has designed strategic-level intercessory prayer to succeed. When there's nothing left left in the tank, our strength, our ingenuity, only the Holy Spirit can take us to that depth of intercessory travail. If indeed we agree this magnificent certain man, as Scripture says, who came to Daniel— who provided the prophet with what must be considered the most panoramic view of history and future prophetic outcomes in a continuous prophetic narrative from chapter 10, verse 11, all the way through chapter 12, verse 13. If indeed it is the pre-incarnate Christ who explains to Daniel that there is none who contends by my side against these except Michael your prince, the very Michael who came to help free the messenger from the prince of Persia, the satanic resistance against the message meant for Daniel to make the prophet understand what will happen 
in the latter days. Can we, can we see then this is the same Michael who prevails over Satan in the heavens that will begin the final three and a half years, the great tribulation to come? Listen to Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge over your people. Almost the same kind of wording, isn't it? And he goes on, and then there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been, there has never been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone, everyone whose name is found written in the book or in the book of Revelation, John's Revelation in chapter 12, verse 7. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but, but he was defeated and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. Beloved, we must grasp the impact of the strategic level coordinated intelligent spiritual warfare that takes place in the heavenlies especially as we, we, we move closer to the final events of this age. And as Scripture shows us, it's Michael who is uniquely prepared in God's divine counsel, privy to the mysteries of God, so as to break through to Daniel. What we observe as the prophetic download that came to Daniel under much demonic opposition will play out once again at the end of this age, this time together with the travail of the saints in intercession. As Michael removed Satan from his place in the heavens, the one who is in the way, the one who holds back or restrains his exposure, I, I can't emphasize enough the uniting of Michael's actions in the heavens and the saints' actions on the earth. It's a united effort, an intercession in the midst of unprecedented iniquity on the earth. There's something extraordinary taking place, a, a travail in intercessory prayer that will continue throughout the remainder of the Great Tribulation. It'll be that prayer among the body of believers that will cut through the remaining elements of the veil of the flesh, a holy purity not seen before. The Father of glory, bringing to an end, cutting off, if you will, uh, uh, Satan's resistance to the coming kingdom of God. All power, might, and dominion, at last in full measure, culminating with the return of the God-man, Christ Jesus. While, while the Satan will be revealed in the incarnation of himself, the final Antichrist, that will then display all power as the fullness of Satan in the flesh. Keep in mind, keep this in mind, church. This is, a, this is a cosmic shift that brings rejoicing in the heavens, but three final woes on the earth. There's much to indicate that Satan's ability to continue his illicit residence in the heaven until the midpoint of the final seven years is owed to the strength of the veil of the flesh. That deception, that deception the enemy holds tightly as he resists his full revelation. I believe it's broken by the Holy Spirit's quickening, the quickening of the glory manifested by the bride of Christ on full display in heaven and on earth.
What were the words of the man's voice? Uh, the man whose voice was that of the multitude, whose hand touched Daniel and caused the prophet to understand the times in the latter days, sent to Daniel from the first day that his heart was set to understand and to humble himself before God? Because of Daniel's words, his intercession, the Lord was resisted on his mission by the prince of the kingdom of Persia, a demonic being who withstood the Lord for 21 days until Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help. Beloved, as, as this scene was played out in supernatural splendor in Daniel's day, this same Michael will remove the demonic prince Satan himself, resulting in an incarnation of the Antichrist. A final display of the mystery of iniquity. This, this stunning event does not happen in a vacuum. It's a spectacle for the world to see, no less the saints of the beloved holding fast in travailing intercession. A corporate Daniel, if you will. It's the church's travail that will prevail in that day. At the very same time, the two witnesses are receiving their power in those final three and a half years, as we see in Revelation chapter 11, verse 3. And I'll grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. That 1,260 days is 42 months, literally three and a half years. Concurrently, the church, the masculine, the people of understanding will arise to the occasion in unprecedented prayer and intercession, a mighty and holy people who do exploits and instruct many, turning many to righteousness, even a number that no one can number from all nations. Hallelujah. What a day awaits us. My goodness, let's pray. Father, I, I want to pray today. I want to pray what you say. You dedicate the first two chapters of your prophet Habakkuk to demonstrate a condition many of us face in the 21st century church. Violence, gross sin, negligence, and the list goes on. My Lord, we want to ask you to show us how to navigate the approaching conditions of the world deceived by a false justice system and polytheism, among other things. Father, your word says, write the vision, write it, make it plain on the tablets, so he, he may run who reads it. We, Father, we want to run, we want to read it and run with it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time, it hastens to the end. It'll not lie, you say. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Lord, you're not a man that you should lie. Your arm is certainly not short. What you've said through your prophets will come to pass. So we, the body of Christ, we submit ourselves before you. That vision of the word of the living God will become crystal clear to our collective spirits. Come forth at the appointed time. Surely, surely it will come. It hastens to the end. Father, we ask this in the name of the one, the one who appointed us unto life, Yeshua, the Son of the living God. Amen and amen. God bless each and every one of you. 
You know, there, there's a number of new listeners these days, and, and I would urge you to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode, and, and certainly pass on the links to family and friends. Amen? Amen. Maranatha, I'm Bill Nordstrom.